This episode of the Golf Game Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same game pilots to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. You bet 100 bucks, you get 100 bucks at WinBet.com. Or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions do apply. And we're also brought to you by the Sports Game Podcast Final Four Watch Party. This Saturday, Sweat out your bets and win prizes with Ryan, John, and Colby over on YouTube.com slash Podcast. All right, DJs, welcome back to the, I guess the, we're going to do a little recap because Steve, the God of Golf himself, has some touting to do for the match play, but it's going to be the Valero Texas Open preview as well. Uh, it's your boy, Boston Capper, and uh, the aforementioned uh, hitting a fucking winner over 40 to 1. God of Golf himself, Steve. You must be feeling good, dude. You know, I am. I mean, it's bittersweet that we're going to put this thing into the ground, but uh, it's coming back. It's coming back. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. You're really confident that these guys are going to, you know, actually have the uh, um, intelligence to bring this back because that was very enjoyable watching yesterday. Today was a little bit of a clunker, but um, although although, it was fine, the semis were great. The finals are always semis were great. The finals are always a mess. That just, yeah. I mean, these guys are tired to that point. Uh, I ended up taking my kid to the park uh, for nice. the finals. Kind of hoping secretly that uh, I'd have a little bit of, you know, dad karma. That, uh, hey, I yeah, actually man. have a loving, attentive father. Maybe the gambling gods will pay me back. And they did with a nice. very easy six and five win for Sam Burns. So uh, that's uh, my third outright since January 1st, fifth of yep. the year. Uh, we are, we're doing pretty good rolling to the Masters with uh, another winner here. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for the match. There's next week, not so fucking much. Um, and I, you know what? I I don't even think it's Valero's fault. Like the golf course itself is fine. Mm-hmm. The field sucks, but I feel like anything between match play and the Masters is going to be completely like, yeah, yeah, who gives a fuck? Let's get to the Masters, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, the, I mean, think about the schedules these guys have been playing. You've had, yeah, like how many elevated events between the Super Bowl Four? And now? Yeah, Four? Phoenix Riviera. No, it's actually API. More, yeah, API players, the players, and, and now WGC. Yeah, so it's a lot. It's a lot of golf. These guys have been playing. You got the Masters. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's a couple of good guys in this field. We'll get to it in a little bit. But uh, all right, so I mean, like you know, other than like Sam Burns winning, um, what are yeah. some of our takeaways you have from match play as far as like guys you watched? I mean, I, I got I watched a little bit. I watched mostly on Saturday because I was on vacation. Um, I guess talk to me a little bit of, like things you saw, you know, between like Wednesday and Friday that. You know, maybe you might uh, impact how you feel about them going to the Masters. Maybe. I mean, Jordan was disappointing. Um, I would say my biggest takeaway is like, man, Scotty's like a cockroach, man. Oh like God. the fact that Bert, like he, like he really is. Like he, he is impossible to kill. He got super. I mean, really, Burns got super lucky that Scotty missed that little bunny four footer. You know. What I mean? I mean, like down three doesn't matter. Like down, like down three comes back. Like Scotty is just a fucking killer, and Rory's driver is fucking impressive. It is. Like it is impressive. Like, like, like I'll equate to this. I don't know. Not everybody's gonna get this, but when the Sox traded for Manny Ramirez, every at bat was must see. Like I, everybody would literally stop them doing it and like run to a TV. Hey, what's Manny going to do? That's how I kind of feel like, all right, what's Rory going to do with a driver, especially on like a drivable par four or like a, 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 a scorable par five. Like I want to see what he does with that fucking thing. It's, I, I, I always thought John Rahm was the most impressive, but I 
I know it's recency bias, but man, what he did with the driver this weekend, fucking incredible. Yeah. I mean, what what's, I guess, good for him is that usually when you shorten your shaft, you can't hit it as far. Yeah. Uh, it seems like that didn't affect him, but you're also more accurate usually. Yeah. And man, that thing really is a weapon. You're right. I mean, everything is just like right down the middle. Seems like he can work it both ways whenever he wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is that's uh pretty dangerous for a couple weeks at Augusta. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, especially because you know, typically longer hitters have done a little better there. And the fact that, you know, he's all you know, he's still pretty good around the green. He seems like he putted a little better yeah. this week too with the putter change. Yeah, he he, yeah. he missed a bunch of putts today. He missed a bunch of putts. Today. Yeah, I mean, but, I saw him make a lot of putts overall, yesterday, though. Yeah, I was gonna say, but yeah. overall, like I think, I think the putter definitely because he switched that too. He's on a different Scotty now, right? Yep. Yeah, he went back, I think, to a, an older model uh, per se. Um, yeah, I, I think he put everybody on notice uh, this week that he needed that too. Like that's he, he, he was trying to he was starting to get lost in the shuffle of like you know Rob and Scheffler and. Uh, now it seems like Rom is a distant um, third now of the. Of the yeah, I mean, what he lost to Ricky. Who did he lose to? He lost to Billy Ho, right? Did Billy Ho beat him on fucking Friday? Uh, no, I think he. I think he did. He tie maybe. I don't, no, he I lost. Forget, I forget who it was. All right, he so lost, lost to Ricky. Yeah, lost to Ricky. You're right. You're right. Billy. He did lose the Horschel. Yeah. So like, that's kind of disappointing, but Billy's one of those guys, like I'll give Rama pass. Like Billy's one of those annoying match play guys that I can see him taking it more seriously than Rama because Rama wants to wear that green jacket type shit. Mm. I mean, we were wrong on a bunch of our narratives, right? Can't lay play good. Finau played good. Fucking, um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I, I like, I don't know what my, my, my I, I really think my biggest takeaway is Scotty's a killer. Rory's driver. Uh, is a fucking problem. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like I, we were talking about like this masses cad might be fucking three guys and call it a goddamn day. It's, it seems like it. I mean, like, do you really think anybody like, I mean, we always kind of like lump these guys together and like the last guys towards the end was like, like your Sam Burns, like Tom Kim, like, yep. like up there. Like, do you actually see anybody like past that actually no. in the masters? No shot either. No, I, I think Xander. I think Xander did really well this weekend. I think that helped. Uh, that had to help his confidence. Yeah, I mean, he lost on eighteen to Rory. You know what I mean? Like he was right there. He was dominating. He dominated the group play. Um, I think Xander got a nice little confidence boost. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't. I wasn't worried about playing Hatton in uh, at the Masters at, anyway. But I mean, fucking Wednesday morning, pre-shot, like on the range, he hurts his hand. I know. <laughs> Here's I immediately went out and I immediately went out and bet. It was McNeely. I don't remember who he was betting. I immediately went out and bet uh, against that. I was like, yep, go ahead and place that. But I go light on that because I've I've gotten burned by golf injuries before. So, uh, well, it'll be telling with it because he's in the field of Valero. So it'll be telling you know. to see if that's actually really hurt or not if he stays yeah. in. I mean, if he's in this this week, then probably all systems go. Yeah, uh, but I mean, regardless, though, he's not on my master's radar either because no. all his comments he's made about the uh, yeah. golf course. So it's too hard. Shut up. Um, I, I mean, I, there, there, there were some guys I saw battling injuries. So let's start with right at the top. So Zalatoris played like crap mm-hmm. and then withdrew on Friday. Uh, no. I, I forget the exact reason, but it was because fucking why. Yeah, we all know why. why. Why go out and play another fucking 18? Right. So his comments have been 
he wants to get ready for April, essentially the Masters. Yeah. But right. ever since that fourth place finish at Genesis, he has gone backwards. No. So I'm not totally sure exactly. Did he hurt himself again? Was the what happened at Genesis was just a fluke? So our boy Joe made a very, very astute observation on Twitter. He was like, I'm getting very Matthew Wolf. I fucking hate being on the golf course right now vibes. Mm. He just looked fucking miserable. So I don't know if you saw it when he missed uh, one of the putts on Wednesday or Thursday. It was, yeah, you know, it. it was like, fuck, it was like a little three footer. He literally like visibly angrily, like went to go try to get the ball back to redo it again and missed it. And like, he just, he does not look like he is having fun on the golf course hmm. right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not a great attitude to take to Augusta. No. No. So you got that. Uh, Hideki. Hideki. Yeah, no, no, no. No more Decky. No. You know, I, I, I think this is the stance to take with Hideki. I think some weeks he's going to be feeling good. Some weeks he's going to be feeling bad. Yeah. You just good luck. You good, good luck guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so if you miss, you miss. There's 150 golfers to bet on every week. So I don't know. Uh, and then Tom Kim was wearing, I guess, uh, uh, some uh, medical Copper tape up, up his yeah, forearm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did anybody I talk about did, that? I didn't, I didn't pay too much attention to it. I don't know. But BK's in here saying how bad the event was. That is that is an incorrect take. Sunday sucked. Like, yeah. The, the final like round always The rest of it's good. Yeah. It all, but the rest of well, it's always good. Did well, you this lose, morning. Did you just lose this, a bunch of matchups, BK? All right. This morning was good. I mean, both of them went to a goddamn playoff. Oh. My God. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> afternoons are always terrible. It's what it is. Oh, he's talking about Valero. Yes, Valero is fucking terrible. Oh, we, we we already addressed it, PK. We already addressed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, I there That's why we're still talking about match play. <laughs> I mean, Honda Honda was much worse than this field. There there's some names up at the top that's okay. I guess. Until they withdraw. What we got? We got Siwu, Corey Connors. All right, you want to go over it? Hatton. All right, let's just transition right to Valero, yeah. the field. Then we'll take a break. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Listen, man, it takes a lot for me to admit a field is bad. I love all these golfers, but uh... listen, it, it it took me it took it took me uh, a year and a half to get him to not cover fucking John Deere. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you know what? I we always never cover the Zurich. Mitchell already our, drew. Yeah. Did he really? Well, that's his, all right. There goes one out right. I wasn't going to bet. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So let's get to who's in the field. All right. How about we talk about a guy who's absolutely not withdrawing? Uh, Ricky. Ricky's not oh, going to yeah. withdraw because this is his last chance to get to Augusta. He needs to win. Uh, did yeah. not get in the top 50. He had to, I think, advance out of group play in order to have yeah, a did. shot. And Billy Horschel was like, fuck you, buddy. Exactly. So uh, that'll be the big storyline with Ricky. Oh, yeah. I'm going to guess. I think Hatton's probably going to withdraw. I'm going to guess probably Hideki's going to withdraw. Yep. Uh, Keith already withdrew. So Corey Connors and Siwoo Kim. Your tournament favorite might be Ricky. To be perfectly oh, no. honest. No, Siwoo who, Kim who? and Corey will have shorter numbers. That, you want charity about that? No. Because <laughs> I don't know what the because the books care about liability and blah 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 blah. That, blah. No. Corey Connors has a good course history. Yeah. So. Well, yes, he's won. Yeah, but Ricky Ricky would draw is going to draw a lot of popular, I guess. That's I'll throw I'll throw twenty bucks on just for the story, getting back to the masses. (laughs) Why not? Why not? When's the last time that's actually worked out for somebody though? Uh, like 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 a like a legitimate name. Yeah, I have no idea. I I can only think in one instance. 
Ian Poulter at the Houston <laughs> Open a couple of years ago. We beat poor Bo Hostler yeah. the playoff. Yeah. What a, uh, wait, so does Matt Wallace get the fucking play, Augusta? He does. How actually, no, actually, you know what? I'm not sure if, about that. I'm not sure if the Corrales counts anymore towards <laughs> oh. getting in. They might have got rid of that rule. Good for Matt Wallace, huh? Fucking up off the mat. I know. I wish I actually paid attention because I think I would have bet Matt Wallace. He would have bet my radar. I know, me too. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, he's definitely somebody I would have bet. Yeah. I know everybody else was betting like Wyndham Clark. Uh, uh, the, one of the Dutch kids was up on top uh, for a while. You mean you know, the Denmark, well, the Hoy, the Hoygaard? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dutch kid. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Wallace will also draw. Kershaw, why um, you just take, oh, yeah, why you just take the week off from your show doing content? You know, I mean, if, if you're that mad about all this. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we got Chris Kirk, uh, Corey Connors, Taylor Montgomery uh, in this field, too. All right. You know. Oh, Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk will go off at what? Like 22 to 1? This will be. This probably. is, is going to be a fun week. Taylor Montgomery, so probably close. 25 to, or actually, probably less than that. Probably 20 to 1 at this point. Uh, Davis Riley's playing well. He's probably going to be up there, too. I think he's playing this event. Listen. Great. Yeah. I mean,. It is what it is. Yeah. So, whatever. All right. Fun so, why don't, we, why don't we take a break? And then, uh, why don't I start talking about the golf course a little bit for anybody who can't? Right. Well, listen. Yeah. I mean, listen, people still can't, man. There's money to be made, right? Anybody, we bet golf every week. It doesn't matter how bad the field or how bad the course is. Um, all right. Well, listen, WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts, which screws up my ad read that I've been reading for so long throwing an extra state in there is really messed up uh and tons of other states be on the lookout for the win bet win hour each thursday from five to six eastern time during the win bet win hour my key games of the week we'll have better odds on win bet giving you a larger payout opportunity and match madness is still here and there's so many ways to bet on the big dance you sign up today you receive a special offer you bet 100 bucks you get 100 bucks there's a limited state availability and of course for our DJs only, if you hit the biggest long shot pile of the week, you get $1,000 in free credit. There's so much to choose from, and all you got to do is head over to WinBet or download the WinBet app. Offer is subject to change terms and conditions at WinBet.com. Must be 21 or older and present state where play through WinBet is available. If you, as someone you know, has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. And listen, if you guys are going to look to hang out with Sean and Ryan at the stadium swing, Swim and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world. You can win a three-night stay at Circa Las Vegas to hang with the guys. The contest is completely free to enter. You just got to go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash golf golf party. And if you don't win the contest, you can still get a discount on a room using promo code SGP50. And the final four watch party is also going virtual. Hang out with our guys on the YouTube channel for the entire Saturday of final four action, live bets, prize giveaways, and much more. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Dot com sports gaming podcast and tune in on Saturday. Okay. All right. And then one last thing before we start getting into the golf course. So uh, we have some inventory we need to offload uh, from our warehouse. We have a tailor-made stealth two driver uh, that we will give away the masters. If we get a little bit of your help. So if we get 20 Apple reviews, 20 Spotify reviews uh, and 20 more subscribers on our uh, YouTube page, we'll give away the driver. So uh, go do all three, uh, go check out our Twitter page. We'll have, information about how to do that if you don't know how to do it already uh you'll have a um, um a, uh, a very handy link that'll send you to all three so go ahead and do that you know support the show and we'll go back a little bit to you too boom all right all let's right. talk let's talk about uh uh an ant golf course yeah it's an ant golf it's course. an ant golf the only thing course. the only thing i remember last year they grew up the rough more to try to simulate augusta was that right no. 
No, that made that's up like, in my brain. That's a, that's that's like a backwards wrong statement right there. Yeah, so I, that's uh, what I said. According uh, to my brain, there. Okay, well, you don't grow up the rough to simulate Augusta because the Augusta right. rough is an inch and a half. That's right. Right. Correct. Yeah. So they overseed it to try and replicate Augusta. The problem is though. It you know because of global warming, all the carbon in the air. It's that uh, February and March were so warm and so hot that apparently all the Bermuda's starting to come up. Uh, we'll talk about agronomy a little bit. Um, we kind of saw the last couple of weeks though that this isn't really true overseed anymore. So right, we'll push that to the side. But okay. what's up with the golf course? So first off, uh, we're back to a Greg Norman golf course. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty awkward. Yeah. You know, I'm mean, considering. All the things he's going on. By the way, at my parents' house, there is a painting uh, in their bathroom of Greg Norman. And I bet and I didn't know they were big Liv fans, but uh, apparently. Did you ask your are. father about it? No, I didn't. I think it just came with the house. But uh, oh. I was like, oh, that's strange. You know, there's the shark looking at me as I, uh, you know, take, take a, a crap here. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, all right. So this is a Greg Norman. Um, look, we have a lot of Greg Normans on the schedule. We got uh, Vedanta Vallarta. We got Mayakoba. Uh, if you go to DP World Tour, you got uh, um, Jumeirah Estates. I mean, there kind of is what it is. They're a little over-bunkered. Uh, some of the bunkers can be a little difficult. We'll talk about that a little bit, uh, especially with this course. Let's start with some positives, okay? I, I, I've been very negative about this place for a while. Nope. Uh, I had a member reach out to me last year, actually provide some helpful information to me. Uh, listen, I'm going to say some nice things about this golf course. It's in immaculate shape. The grounds crew does a okay. really good job of this place. Um, really good condition greens. Um, you know, they do a really good job getting ready for a tournament play. Uh, you know, Greg Norman actually, to his credit, wanted to create a little more of a rugged look to a TPC golf course. Some of them look very manicured. This definitely looks a little more like, you know, it, it blends into the natural surrounding terrain. So he did do a pretty good job with that. Uh, there's also a very nice hotel right at the top of the hill. It's a, it's a Marriott. They have a sick pool. They have a lazy river. They got some water slides. So, I mean, this is probably a good, like, you know, some PG tour pros like to go to, you know, Punta Cana or they go to Mexico, they bring the families. Um, you know, this is, you know, even though it's San Antonio, uh, there's a lot of things for the families of, you know, some of these players, uh, you know, kids and everything you know, to do while they play. So, yeah, gotcha. yeah I mean, I, I think that's part, that's one of the allure of, the, of, of this tournament is like the accommodations are very nice uh, for these guys. Um, Good for them. All right. So how about some negatives? It's, it's kind of a repetitive golf course. So essentially it is built on the side of a hill. Uh, it's done that because Greg Norman wanted to essentially have offsetting effects of, uh, either downhill shots that are into the wind or uphill shots that have a helping wind. So it's like that over and over and over. There's only one hole that actually plays along the side of the hill. Everything else runs basically north, south, south, north. Okay. So it's kind of reminds me a little bit of Firestone where everything was just like, all right, we're going straight. Okay, we're going the other way. All right, we're going straight again. Oh, we're going back the other way. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. All right. Kind of repetitive, uh, you know, a lot of these drives, you know, basically off the tee, you're kind of similar, seeing a lot of similar stuff. I mean, it's kind of all in front of you. You got a fairway bunker to worry about. It reminds me a little bit of Torrey Pines in that respect. Um, not necessarily like all the attributes that you need to do well, Torrey Pines, but just like, okay, you know, it's the longest par four. It's downhill. I saw this couple holes go, oh, this is now uphill. 
like, you know, crap like that. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit off the team a little bit, but you know, that, that's kind of Greg Norman in a nutshell. I don't think he's the most imaginative architect. Um, but this is a good test for a lot of these guys. Uh, scoring can be pretty difficult here. Uh, as we'll get to in a little bit, especially when the wind is up. If it looks like what, look at the weather forecast, at least three out of four days, uh, looks like it gives me a little wind. So, okay. um, what I want to talk about though, uh, actually, you know, we'll, we'll save it. Why don't we get to the, you know, the golf course. So we'll just get right to it. So TBC San Antonio, uh, plays a little bit over 7,400 yards, uh, standard PG tour, uh, par 72 setup, 10 par fours, four par threes, uh, four par fives. The uh, average score since 2015 is about 0.44 over par. That's the 12th toughest on the PG tour. Now, some years, uh, it can play very difficult. I think back in 2015, when Jimmy Walker won this, the average score is about plus two and a half over par. Uh, last year played under par. And in a year, Corey Connors won, I think it played almost a stroke under par. So it really depends on the wind conditions, how this thing is going to play. Uh, some years can be a birdie fest. Some years, you know, par is basically at a premium. So, uh, like I mentioned, uh, property is built. The golf is basically built on the side of the hill. Either everything plays directly downhill, downhill into the wind or up with, uphill with the wind. Uh, the problem, though, is if the wind is coming from the north, these uphill shots are basically unplayable. There's going to be one day. It looks like it's going to be a north wind. Not very heavy, but uh, some of these par fives that we get to are pretty long to play uphill. Without that helping wind, it's going to be very tough to reach it into. So, Let's talk about the par threes first. So uh, it's number three, number seven, number 13, number 16. So hole number three that plays downhill. Um, it played every, you know, first couple of rounds will play about 155. Uh, the last two rounds over the weekend, it played about 175. So they lengthened a little bit uh, after the cut. Uh, hole number seven plays uphill. Uh, that plays as long as about 200 yards, plays short about 170. They move the tee box around depending on the wind. Uh, number 13 that plays downhill. That is a very long par three. I played as long as 249 last year. Uh, now it's downhill, so you know if you, it's you, you negate it a little bit because of the headwind, but playing it downhill helps. Uh, as short as two hundred five, that's a, you know so a longer par three. And number sixteen, that actually is Greg Norman's take on uh, the sixth at Riviera. It's got a bunker right in the middle. Right. So I mean, it's an interesting hole. Um, you know, sure. the greens can be pretty difficult. It plays between one eighty and one ninety five. So. Uh, overall though, these par threes, um, you know, they play about even par, uh, it's about average difficulty in terms of PGA tour. Um, nothing really a whole lot to it other than the fact uh, that maybe with some of your proximity stats, it seems like most of these are between like 175 and 200. Okay. So, um, and part, you know, we'll talk a little bit later, the proximity stats, it's a uh, kind of a tricky week for it. I'll get to why in a little bit. All right. Par fours. So. Most of these par fours are about moderately length, uh, about 70% of them between about 375 and 475. Um, only about four holes played under 375. Only one of them is actually drivable. That's the 17th hole. Uh, that plays about, you know, 366. They actually moved the tee box to 300 last year. That's downhill. You see guys try and go for the green. It's, it can be kind of a tricky tee shot. You want to go for the green because you got to thread it between the, a couple of bunkers there. Uh, I think there's some mounds over on the right that can be a little difficult to get up and down. Uh, but there really only is one drivable par four on the golf course. But there's only one golf hole that plays over 475, um, and that's number nine. That is uphill, and that is the one that Kevin Na took his infamous 16 on. 
Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, so right. and, and I posted. I forgot that was here. Yep, and I posted the video uh, in my article. So if nice. you want to relive that douchebag's, you know, <laughs> trip around the Texas Bramble getting a 16 at this place, uh, that was awesome. go ahead and go look at that. So overall, though, I mean, you know, it's a tough scoring tournament. These par fours in play. Pretty tough. They're the tenth toughest on the PG Tour. Uh, I mean, kind of like I think I, I talked about Valspar last week. How you know it's a tough place to putt on, but it's closer to the PG Tour average and some of the really tougher places. It's kind of the same thing. Like even though it's the tenth toughest of all tournaments with these five events since 2015, closer to the average. So you can definitely screw these up, but they're they're manageable. Um, and then the par fives. The, these are actually pretty tough though, for and they're interesting. So they're long. Uh, number two, it's downhill, but that played as long as 606 last year. Uh, and it's in a south wind, even though it's downhill, you know, it's you got that resistance with the, the headwind there. Uh, number eight, that played as long as 620, and that's uphill, but you have the wind to you. So if you have like a 23 mile per hour wind behind you, you can probably reach the green in two. So, you know, but if you don't have any help, or the wins against you, that's a beast of a hole. That's a three-shot hole. Number 14 is by far the easiest hole on the golf course. It's downhill, plays as only as long as 570. Very short for a par 5 standard. You know, these guys crushed this thing last year. And then number 18, that's a pretty tricky par 5 as well. That played as long as 612 last year. That's uphill. It's got the creek that bisects the fairway. It's actually pretty, it's almost the same exact design as the 18th at the uh, Jumeirah Estate course where they play the DP World Championship. Similar concept, long par five, bisects the fairway there. Um, I mean, it takes a kind of a really bad shot to actually hit it in the creek, but there are examples. I posted uh, when Phil Mickelson shot a 10 on that hole a couple years ago. Uh, it seemed that the live guys had kind of a issues with this place. Um, <laughs> you know, put up uh, big scores. Like I know Sergio Garcia, he actually uh, uh, was a consultant on this golf course with Greg Norman. Um, That's right, because he's he lives down there, right? Well, so he lived down there. He also was, I think, engaged to Greg Norman's daughter. Daughter, yeah. And that went poorly. Uh, and he actually avoided this place for a while. So I think that you know it kind of speaks to. Uh, I mean, like obviously, maybe you don't want to go back to. Uh, you know, there's probably some trauma uh, going back to that place. You know, with what happened with uh, uh, Greg's daughter there. But the fact that he didn't actually go play in a tournament kind of speaks to I think how he maybe felt about it. So, um, but these par fives, though, uh, they only played about 0.2 under par since 2015. So of all golf courses, well, these five events since 2015, that's the toughest on the PGA Tour. So it's up there with some major venues. It's up there with um, a couple other places, like some one-offs where, like, you know, tough cor- scoring conditions, maybe you only see the effects of playoffs. These are tough par fives. It's up there. These are tough par fives. There's a lot, you know, like I talked about. They're long, you know. Some of them are up, you know, a lot, you know, two of them are really long. They're uphill, even though you have a helping wind uh, on number eight, that's uphill that has a lot of bramble to the right. So if you miss a shot, right, that's basically a penalty stroke. Uh, number 18 has the Creek that bisects it. That also plays uphill. So these aren't easy. So no. Yeah. And, and that all, that all adds up to a relatively difficult golf course. I mean, tough par fours, tough par fives. Um, why don't we uh, we'll talk about briefly about agronomy and then we'll take maybe another break. Okay. So I mentioned at the top of the show, um, we are in overseed season. We have seen, I think at least five events in a row that Sounds have been right. overseeded. 
Here's what you've been noticing. Well, I notice. I don't know if you <laughs> notice. You can tell with these overseeded greens how much Bermuda's in it. So yeah. let's let's flash tell. let's flash back to um, Amex. So when you look at an overseeded green with no Bermuda on it, it's it's still dormant. When you kind of see the mowing patterns back and forth, like light, dark, light, dark, like it's kind of like a striped shirt. Yeah. That's all overseed. Like you see a lot of sparkles too sometimes when you get like the worm cam. That's the over that's the poetry of Alice there. The last couple of weeks at Valspar and the Austin and the players, you can see the grain. Like you can see the light spots, the dark God. spots. Um you know, it looks like you're looking at like Wiley, like the Sony Open. Yeah. Like when you look at that Bermuda Green, like okay, this could be a slow putt, this fast putt. Like when they actually are mentioning this is into the green. When you oversee the golf course, you're supposed to be taking the green out because it's poa, it's a vertical growing grass. So the Bermuda is definitely coming back in. Yeah. You can also see it in the rough. Now this, now at Austin, that's just dormant Bermuda that basically turned green, so it's starting to grow. But you know, I know it's a Valspar. You had like the dark green ryegrass, and then you had some splotches of Bermuda every now and then. Same thing at Bermuda at uh, players. So um, the GCSAA actually specifically mentioned because it was so warm, a lot of the Bermuda starting to come up. This is essentially a Bermuda golf course, so it's not going to be a great uh, practice for the Masters because it's going to be a different right. agronomy. Um, it might not even compare to some other previous Valeros that might have been a little colder where it's mostly overseed at that point. I'm going to be treating this like it's Bermuda. So when I look at putting stats, I'm not going to look at any of the other overseeded golf courses. And honestly, if you can, we go back to the match play. I'm not really surprised Sam Burns won because yeah, it was mostly so Bermuda. Bermuda. Like when yeah. he won Valspar, that was yeah. very warm tournament in late April. That was essentially Bermuda at that point. Yeah. So I'm not really too shocked at that end of what happening. So I guess when I'm thinking about this, like you think about some guys who are really good on overseeded, like Adam Hadwin, you know, he has a pretty couple of pretty good finishes here on Bermuda. He stinks. And we kind of saw it a couple of weeks ago at Valspar. He started last week. <laughs> oh yeah. Last week at Valspar. He's simply really good there. It was mostly Bermuda and he stunk. Yeah. Yeah, he stunk <laughs> so, in match play too. Oh, and three. Yeah, so maybe that's something to keep in mind is that, like, all right, we have a guy that might be a good course fit, he has good course history, but it's different agronomy, might not work out for you. So I'm treating this like it's Bermuda. Um, you know, I'm going to be like everybody else that just calls it Bermuda and ignores that the overseeded uh, you know, <laughs> factor. I'm actually going to be one of those people and say, actually, it, it, they're right, it is Bermuda. Yeah, but this time, but this time you will be correct with everybody else versus you being correct and everybody else wrong. For the exactly. Basically, uh, they're the blind squirrels that found the nut this week. That's right. <laughs> so. All right. Well, why don't we take another break and then uh, we'll Got talk it. about some other stuff. Yep. Perfect. All right. Listen, we're also brought to you guys by Under, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy continues their match madness college pick them. It's a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted. Plus underdog fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props and great NBA and NHL daily games. Head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN for hundred percent deposit bonus up to hundred bucks. That's underdogfantasy.com promo code SGPN. And uh, Steve already said, uh, talk to you guys about the uh, contest we're running for the stealth driver. So make sure you get over to uh, YouTube, go subscribe, hit Spotify, Apple, uh, all the spots that you listen to us, man. It helps. Yep. yep. And then uh, let's briefly mention uh, Piper golf ball. So I was just in Florida. I uh, had my first round of the year. Went okay. Um, I mean, I struggle 
around the green and on Bermuda surfaces. It was definitely evident. But you know what? I would have been a lot worse if I didn't, wasn't using Piper golf balls, you know, because Piper, you know, even if I hit a little uh, uh, thin there, gave me a little bit of extra spin, actually helped me check the ball up for my chip and eagle on number nine uh, <laughs> on uh, Friday. That was pretty great. So, you know, and these golf balls are, you know, they're helping. It's a company that actually encourages you to play your best game. They have a line of golf balls that basically matches uh, what your handicap is to what you should be playing. So, you know, go to piper.golf.ggp and you'll get 10% off your first order. You can promo code GGP. You can opt to subscribe and receive scheduled shipments on golf balls at 50% discount and get free shipping on any orders over 50 bucks. So go to piper.golf.ggp and improve your game today. Bye. All right. All right. What else are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk about all the relative skills and what you need to focus right, on this week. All right, let's talk about off the tee. Well, I'll, I'll zoom through a little bit. My article's out if you want to go into more detail. I'll, I'll hit on some of the bigger points. So, uh, you know, listen, Greg Norman is probably one of the best drivers in uh, PGA Tour history. You know, he loved hitting driver, and he designed a lot of his golf courses to be pretty tough off the tee. TBC San Antonio is no exception. It's, it ranks, of all golf courses, with at least five events since 2015. It's the 12th toughest off the tee. Now, it's not really all that penal off the tee. Uh, there's only three water hazards. Uh, the rough isn't really all that penal either. It's only about two and a quarter uh, overseas ryegrass. Now it's basically going to be Bermuda, but even two and a quarter Bermuda, that's not really all that significant. So okay. uh, what makes it tough, though, is that like a lot of Greg Norman golf courses, they have really big, intimidating fairway bunkers. Uh, like really deep ones, oddly shaped like puzzle pieces. I mean, they're kind of not aesthetically pleasing to the eye, but they're awkwardly shaped. If you end up on kind of like the wrong side of it, it's going to make it into the green pretty uh, tricky. All these greens are really elevated too. So if you're up against the lip, it's going to be hard to actually fly the ball to the green. Uh, and they all kind of pinch in the fairway too. Kind of like I just mentioned, I mentioned the top of the show with Tory Pines. Kind of similar concept where, you know, you got to hit it fairly straight. It's fairly long, but you know, the, the bunkers kind of pinch in there right in the driving zone. It's very inconveniently placed. Um, you know, that's that's probably the toughest part about TBC San Antonio off the tee is that these bunkers are pretty tricky. Uh, you know, there's also some, like, rocks and bramble bushes that if you hit into, um, you know, that can be a little tricky. So all of that, even though hitting into the rough or, you know, missing the fairway in the rough is not that penal, uh, it's the third highest penalty of all golf courses, at least five events in 2015, of hitting in non-rough areas. And that's basically the fairway bunkers. And if you happen to hit it in kind of like uh, the garbage with where all the rattlesnakes and <laughs> broken bottles and, you know. Hyperdermic uh, needles. Yes, essentially. <laughs> so, um, and then while the fairways aren't all that narrow, it's, they average about 31 yards uh, in width. Uh, I mean, the driving accuracy rate is only about 63.7%. While that's above PG Tour average, it's still the ninth lowest rate of all like regular golf courses. So this is not a golf course where guys hit a ton of fa uh, fairways here. So all right, let's talk about iron play. So this is the seventh toughest on the PG Tour with approach shots. Uh, the green regulation rate since 2015 is only about 59.5%. That is the fifth lowest rate of all regular PG Tour golf courses since 2015. So the primary reason why this is tough to hit the greens is the wind and the elevation change. And it's already a caddy's, you know, like it makes their job difficult to account for wind or if it's an uphill shot, downhill shot. But when you're doing that every single approach shot, like let's say, okay, this is about 20 feet downhill 
but it's a 15 mile per hour headwind trying to figure out which club a guy should use can be kind of tricky. So that's the biggest challenge. I think of all these approach shots, uh, the greens are also pretty significantly undulated too. So it's hard to access certain pin positions, especially when it is windy. Uh, it last year, the average proximity to the hole was 39 feet, seven inches. That's about three feet farther than the average of just everything on the PGA tour. So guys aren't hitting it really close to the hole. Uh, let's talk about proximity stats. So I posted the chart and it's fairly consistent every single year. So there's a higher rate of shots under 125 and there's a higher rate of shots over 250, but everything else is basically from about like from basically 125 to 250. It's all pretty spread out and there's not a huge correlation like or, or not a huge like like volume of it. Yeah, gotcha. I always hate these uh you know, distribution charts because yeah, there's a higher rate of shots under 125, but it only accounts for about 20% of your approach shots every single round. So it's like what, like four shots? That's not a big sample right. size. Uh, you have a higher rate of shots over 250, but those are all your par fives. That doesn't really help. Right. So I kind of broke it down like this. I end up looking at the yardages of all the par threes and stripping that out of this data. And I just wanted to isolate what the par fours were. And I have come up with seven of the approach shots on the par fours are under 150. And okay. you look at some of the guys who typically do well here. Yeah. A lot of guys are pretty good with their wedges. Spieth. Spieth. Bond, Andrew Kuchar. Landry. Yep. Andrew Landry won. Kucher, Zach Johnson. Hoffman. Hoffman was good with his wedges. Yeah. Just back in the day. Yeah, so a lot of guys who are generally pretty good with their short irons tend to do well here. Like J.J. Spawn last year, uh, he had a pretty good you know short iron year the previous year. Yeah. Wasn't hitting all that great with his short irons up until that point. So, but there tends to be more shorter approach shots into the par, excuse me, into the par fours. And then a lot of your longer iron shots typically are with your par threes. So I think how I'm going to look at it is... I'm going to break it. I'm going to have to break it up again. So I'm going to look at everything under 150 and say, okay, this is mostly the par fours that I care yeah. about. And then between 150 and 200 is going to be mostly your, par, par like, I think it's three, your par threes yeah. and like a handful of par fours. Okay. And then the, anything over 250 is your par fives. Anything under 125 might be a, a handful of par fours. It also might be if you're out of position on a par five, your wedge shot in. So that okay. might be useful if let's say it's 600 yards and you got to the head, you know, wind in your face, you can't get there in two. So that might help there. But I think I'm going to look at mostly everything under 150, cover my par fours and 150, 200 should cover my par threes. Okay. That's it. And then just kind of look in, you know, see how they do in each. That's really the best you can do. I like it. Otherwise, yeah. if you just want to look at everything under 125 and go with this, you're looking at like four shots around. That's that's not going <laughs> to yeah, do it. It's not worthless. Yeah, exactly. Right. But overall, though, one thing I noticed, though, last three winners, um, J.J. Spawn was hitting his irons really well heading in. Spieth was hitting his irons really well heading in. And Corey Connors was hitting his irons really well uh, coming in. If you generally just look for a guy who's just riding pretty good irons coming in, yeah, it's not bad. So you might need, don't maybe don't even complicate it. Don't even look at proximity buckets. Just look at all right. Irons. These guys' irons are trending. Let's keep it simple. So yeah. all, right. all right. Around the green. This is where I'm gonna nerd out. And I'm probably gonna bore 
you, who's had his you know hands in his head for most of this, let's talk about Greenside Bunkers at TBC uh, listen, San Antonio. I, I'm all about some bunkers. Okay. Yes, you are. Apparently, you are as good a PG Tour pro as you've claimed on this show. <laughs> never, never stated such. Thing. I no. think we need to pull some audio. If you could pull the audio. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what, Cameron, our producer, he's going to go do that. All right. So these have the third toughest greenside bunkers on the PGA Tour. What makes them so much more difficult? Well, so here's the thing. So I was sent some inside intel from a member. I forget what your name is. If you're a listener, thank you for sending this. Actually, what you sent was incredibly helpful. Uh, I am actually posting a video of their message to the members exactly what they were doing with the bunkers. So here was the problem with the bunkers. So just in general, how they're constructed, they are well below the putting surface, and the greens are really undulated. So it's tough for an average Joe to try and get up from out of them and close to the pin. Now, what also made it complicated, though, was over time, there's been a lot of buildup of just sand that's kind of splashed out. It's steep in the faces of the bunkers, and the sand they were using was pretty fluffy, didn't compact very well. So what happens when that point, it, this video was actually very educational about bunker construction, is that when bunkers get too steep, the sand runs down, collects to the bottom. So what happens is you get a lot of plug lies, a lot of sand underneath where you're just not getting any spin. Balls are kind of kind of dead out of them. And I think that's why it was really tough with the bunkers. Uh, Ooh, the last okay. years. So here's what they did. After the 2021 Valero Texas Open, I'm not sure how much people were actually reporting this. I know I have, well, actually, I may not report it because I think I got food poisoning last year. You did. I did. (laughs) So I'm reporting it now, officially. (laughs) They redid all the bunkers. They put in a new type of sand. It was called, it's called Arkansas white sand, which actually is not natural sand. It's actually just crushed uh, granite. So it's an angular sand. It's more aesthetically pleasing, but it also is much more compact. Um, it holds a little bit more moisture, uh, and they end up softening some of the faces of the bunkers. And so what happens is you have this sand that's a little more compact. It doesn't run back down into the bottom of the bunkers. So it's going to help you create a little more spin, um, with your bunker shots. So did this actually make a difference? Uh, did it make it a little easier to come out bunkers? Well, from scoring standpoint, no, it played about its difficulty. Um, but I did notice when I'll get to this a little bit, there's a big correlation with guys who are pretty good around the green that had a lot of success at, uh, this venue. Now, in terms of actual sand saves, it was kind of a little bit mixed, but in theory, if you have more compact sand, it should help a guy who can better spin the ball out of the bunker. Makes sense. Because there's less luck involved. Like you kind of, right. it's like a couple weeks ago at Bay Hill yeah. where you didn't know if it was a plug lie or not here. It's a lot more fair. And if it's more compact, it'd be like, okay, I can handle this bunker shot. Now it's still tricky because these greens are really severely undulated. If you're on the wrong side, you got no shot anyways. But if you have, all right, a lot of green to work with, like a really good bunker player should be able to get out of these things relatively easy because it's just going to be easier conditions for them. So Looking at sand save percentage, like if you look at last year's leaderboard, it's definitely a mixed bag. Like JD Spawn's one of the worst bunker players in the PGA Tour, 
but you had guys like Chris <laughs> Kirk, you had like Charles Howell, you had uh, a couple other guys who ranked pretty highly in sand state percentage in that top 10. Like Siwoo's a good bunker player. Actually, yep. so you might want to look at it. Generally speaking, though, um, got, just target guys are pretty good around the green. That tends to be the biggest correlation. Uh, and I'll get to that a little bit with the skill set chart, but um, generally speaking, really good scramblers do pretty well here. Now, that might be just a profile of guys that typically play this event. Yeah. Might just be good scramblers in general, but just in tournament, though, there definitely is a correlation between how good you are around the green and where you usually finish. And it's usually m- more uh, correlated in tougher scoring conditions, which we might see this week with the weather. Especially if, especially if we have wind three or four days. Yeah, like I saw, I saw gusts possibly up to 40 miles per hour, I think, on uh, Friday. Now, it's, it's yeah. everything's, it, it's going to be a headwind and a tailwind. I know. So I read, if you want chaos, you want crosswinds. I know. But regardless, though, like if the gusts die, you see guys, you, yeah. you, see, you see guys miss the wind hits a gust and they have the wrong club and the guy overshoots the green. Like I'm, I'm fine with just those little car crashes. I don't need, uh, I don't right. need 10 guy pileups. Right. So, all right, let's have a putting. There's not, all right, let's have a putting. Um, not really much to talk about here. Obviously, I mentioned before that I'm treating this like these are Bermuda greens. Uh, I, I think that's going to be dominant on these greens now because of the weather. Um, Nothing really right home about as far as like difficulty of putting overall. Um, you know, the putts between five and 15 feet and under five feet aren't all that difficult, but it's the sixth toughest of all putts over 15 feet. So kind of like we saw at Valspar a couple weeks ago, really undulated greens. Guys aren't making a whole lot of putts. Yeah. So it can be kind of difficult to lag putt at this place too, just because of how the greens are contoured. So that might be something to keep in mind. And then lastly, penalties. There's only three water hazards on the golf course. There's only two holes where water actually comes into play. Uh, there's a pond right next to um, 16, the tee box. It's not in play for any of these guys. It's in play for you and me if you top the ball. <laughs> but for these guys, it's not. The only time water comes into play is on the par three third. There's a large pond right in front of the green. And then number 18 with the creek. Otherwise, oh, yeah. though, the only other opportunity for a penalty shot is if you hit it just in the garbage. Like in the rocks, the can or the canyon or the cactus, whatever. So it features relatively low penalty shots around. So you know you don't have to worry about like okay, like you know, a guy steps to the tee, blasted off the planet. He still has an opportunity to recover. Yeah. So all right, and then let's talk about the the skill set chart. So I actually made a an epiphany. I think I've been so I, I put this every week in my article. I think I've been reading this wrong forever. So I don't think it actually really? measures what types of guys are good there. I think it just measures how you do in tournament and how that correlates your overall total strokes gain. So I don't think I don't think I'm tracking. So essentially, like, okay, let's say um you know there there's a there's a standard very there's standard deviation of how your total strokes gained are from top to bottom. Right how you're essentially able to separate yourselves. Right. So let's say you hit it generally pretty far. That might get, make up you know, most of your strokes gain off the team numbers. Like you're able mm-hmm. to gain more in the field or you hit more fairways. If you do right. that in tournament, like that might not be consistent. Like an accurate guy might not hit as many fairways. It's just in tournament performance. Okay. So with off the tee, there's no real correlation to how far you hit it or how short you hit it or how many fairways you hit or don't. 
it generally speaking, it doesn't matter. I don't know how much I'm going to be looking at off the tee this week. It seems like that doesn't really matter. Like if you look at last year's um, uh, leaderboard, yeah. So you got JJ Spawn, not a very big hitter. Uh, you got Howell who can put it out there pretty good. You got Gary Woodland that's in the uh, um, in the top ten. You got Dylan Fratelli who's a bomber. He can get out there pretty far. But then you got like Kucher, Troy Merritt, yeah. Adam Hadwin, Brendan Todd. Yeah, not a whole lot of correlation. No. Hey, if you look at the last like you know three years too, kind of the same thing. I don't think I'm going to be looking at much of the team this week. It seems like I would agree with that. You know, anybody can kind of show up there. Um, okay. All right, and then iron play. You know, it can be a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, same thing with putting, but around the green tends to be how you do in tournament with how you do around the green that week tends to be a little more correlated to how you do actually in the tournament that week. Now, it doesn't mean bad scrambles can't do well here. They might just have to be a great week, but if you're a pretty good around the green in general, you probably have a little bit of a leg up. Yeah. So, and it usually is in tougher scoring conditions. The around the green stuff has been a little more important. So, like the year that Corey Connors won, around the green didn't really matter all that much because it was really easy. The year that like Jimmy Walker won, or even last year too, which it was a little easier scoring conditions. I wonder if some of the bunker play might have actually made it matter a little more. Yeah. But generally, when it's windier, it's tougher. Guys are missing more greens. How you did around the green that week tended to be a little more indicative of how you actually did for the tournament. And then some years. You know, guys who hit their irons a little better tend to do better in the tournament. How, some guys who maybe were a little better off the tee that week did a little better. It's kind of a little bit back and forth. So I think I think what I'm going to be looking at more is like, okay, like if you're pretty good around the green and then, yeah, a couple other things are pretty good. You know, it, it's going to help me kind of build a case for guys. Yeah. But I think we're going to start with how you are around the green and then kind of work from there. Like it. So, all right. Like it. That's all I got. All right, fuck it. Well, we got DFS show tomorrow. Do we and Batty Show? It's just us again this week. Uh, we got Matt Gannon coming on Tuesday. Oh, nice for the betting show. Yes, nice. we do. Oh, that poor prick. He caught that bookie sleeping and fucking got those bets negated. That's bullshit. I, I hate that. But oh, I thought that was fine. Cameron. No, I thought it was Matt. Was it was it Cameron or Matt? Maybe it was both of them. I don't know, I don't know man. <laughs> I got both the numbers saved in, and for whatever reason, in that group text, there's a number that doesn't. The two two of the numbers don't have a name attached. I don't want to give away the area code. I, I, whatever. Okay, I'll why not? Why don't I fix that for you after uh, <laughs> the show here? Anywho, fucking uh, all right, man. Fucking DFS tomorrow night. You guys know where to find Steve. Go click on that fucking article. Go give it a read. Uh, especially if he's got the fucking video of the fucking fourteen. Let's go. I'm gonna go watch that show. Um, yeah. Other than that, man. DFS tomorrow. Uh, masters two fucking weeks. Go do what we ask, man. Go do uh, all the subscribes and clicking and all that stuff, man. One of you, one of you clowns can win a win a stealth driver just for uh, clicking buttons. Pretty good fucking deal. Go do it. Later.